Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Amen. Thank God for the road map. Amen. Amen. Well, if you brought your Bibles, I'd like to ask you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, if you would, please, chapter 3. The book of Proverbs, chapter 3. And I would like to continue teaching on something I started last week, and that's entitled, Believing with the Heart. Believing with the Heart. On Wednesday evenings, we've been talking about different aspects of faith, and one important aspect of faith is... Learning to believe from the heart and knowing what it means to believe from the heart. You'll notice in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And look at the next part. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Notice it makes a distinction between believing God from your heart and having our own understanding. In other words, there's a difference between human reasoning and intellect and faith that is in the heart. The heart of man is not talking about the physical organ that pumps the blood. The heart of man is talking about his spirit. And very quickly, we talked about man being a tripart being. Man is a spirit He has a soul and he lives in a physical body. With the physical body, he contacts the physical world. With his soul, he contacts the intellectual realm or the realm of reasoning. And then with his spirit, he contacts the spirit world. And that is the realm in which God lives. For God is a spirit. So our connection with God is in spirit. And when the Bible talks about believing from the heart, it's talking about believing out of your spirit and not just with your soul or your mind. It's easy to agree with the Word of God and say, I believe the Word of God. When in actuality, we're just agreeing with it from our understanding or from our head and not really believing it from the heart. There is a a big difference between the two. Now, it's not too many inches from the head to the heart of man, so to speak. But I'll tell you what, it's a big step. Amen? It's a real big step. And it's an important step. We must understand the distinction uh, between the two and know the difference so that we can learn to trust God from our heart and not rely on our own understanding. Because the Word of God will oftentimes tell us to do things apart from our human reasoning. And human reasoning will rise up and try to defeat us and not allow our spirit man to really have control. And so faith then is of the heart, not of the head. And I want to show you that in the book of uh, John, John's Gospel, if you would please, chapter 20. Twentieth chapter, John's Gospel, beginning at verse 19. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. 
And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now, it's apparent that we can believe something without consulting our five physical senses. Isn't that what Jesus is saying here? Our five physical senses dictate to us certain things in this life. We see something and therefore we believe. But Jesus tried to share with Thomas and the others that true faith is not believing in something that you see, but believing from your heart something that you do not see. In other words, something that is not connected with your five physical senses. How many of you believe in the law of gravity? We certainly do, don't we? And we wouldn't want to walk off a tall building to find out whether or not it's true. And those that don't believe in the law of gravity, I dare them to do so. Because their unbelief is not going to change the law that is. Faith is a spiritual law of the heart. It involves the heart of man. It involves training or conditioning the spirit of man to believe apart from his five physical senses. So regardless of what our five physical senses tell us, faith goes beyond that. And that's what we have to learn about faith. Faith is of the heart, not of the five senses. Now, when we read through this, we have the... Um, I guess the attitude that says, well, Thomas, how can you be so blind? And we always single out Thomas and point to Thomas as being the doubter. And he's been tagged or named the doubting Thomas, right? And many that don't believe are called doubting Thomas. And we tell people, now don't be a doubting Thomas. But if we're really knowledgeable of the Word of God, you know as well as I do that Thomas was not the only doubter among this crew. As a matter of fact, every single one of them doubted, just like Thomas. And I want you to see that. Go on back, if you would, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. And before you do, look at verse 19 again. Real quick, before we go to Luke 24. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them. Okay, hold that thought in mind. 
Now go to Luke 24, if you would, please. Luke 24. And verse 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Notice it's very early in the morning on the first day of the week, not in the evening, but in the morning. Okay? Very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found out the body of Jesus. Now let's go over to... Verse 6, He is not here, but He is risen. Remember how He spake unto you when He was yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of, the sin, of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered His words. They remembered His words. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven. Everybody say eleven. And to all the rest. So that means all eleven heard something. About the resurrection of Jesus. True? Listen. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. All eleven heard. True? All right, now listen. And their words seemed to be, or seemed to them as idle tales. And they believed them not. This is in the morning. Are you listening? In the morning, they were told by the women of the resurrection of Jesus and they considered what they told them to be idle tales. And they, that means all 11, including Thomas and all the others, believed them not. Not one of them believed. Well, what happened that evening? We read that in John, John 20, 19, didn't we? In that evening, on that evening, Jesus appeared, but Thomas wasn't there. And in that room, he said, look. And they all saw. Now, they all doubted him to this point, didn't they? They did not believe. Now, Peter ran, I understand Peter ran, and he pondered what had happened. But still... They believed what the woman said was nothing more than idle tales, and they believed them not. They didn't believe until they saw Jesus. Those ten did not believe from their heart in the resurrection of Jesus until they saw Him alive. They saw the prints of the nails in His hands. They saw the piercing of His side. They saw all that, then they believed. And then they told Thomas, and Thomas said, I don't believe it, and I won't believe it unless I see it. Well, they didn't believe it either until they saw it. So they doubted just as much as Thomas did. So we might as well talk about doubting Peter and doubting James and doubting John. Right? Just name them all. They were all doubters, every single one of them, until they saw with their eyes. And then finally, eight days later, see, Thomas lived with that for eight days. For eight days, they could not convince Thomas that Jesus was alive. And then finally, Jesus appeared to Thomas and said to him, Don't be faithless. Believe. Now, you will notice that 
Thomas believed without even touching his wounds. But remember, he said, I won't believe unless I touch his wounds. All he had to do is satisfy one of his senses, the sense of sight. And you know what happened when his sense of sight was satisfied? He believed in his heart. I want you to see something here. Listen carefully. Through our senses, our heart can be reached. Through our senses, our heart can be reached. Through our understanding, our heart can be reached. But you see, we have to look to the Word of God. Jesus is not going to appear. Sometimes He does, but you can't bank on that and count on that to happen for you to become a believer. We have got to look to the Word of God. And as we look to the Word of God and it penetrates our understanding, our heart can be reached. And I want to show you something very important. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. Our spirit can be conditioned to believe. Our spirit can be trained to believe. It's up to us to do our part to feed our spirit the Word of God so that it can adjust to believing the right thing. So that it can be trained and conditioned. I want you to see something that Jesus revealed about the conditioning or the training of our heart so that we can believe and have faith. Faith is of the heart. It is not of the head. Do you know how many times they heard Jesus say, I'm going to rise again on the third day? You know what didn't register in their heart? They heard it, and they heard it, and they heard it, but it didn't register in their heart. Didn't Jesus tell Peter right to his face that I, the Son of Man, must die, be crucified and die, and on the third day I will rise again? And he said, not so, Lord. Remember? So they heard, but they didn't hear. They saw, but they didn't see. That's possible. Look at Matthew chapter 13, and let's begin at verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that which he, that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not. You know, you can have eyes that see, but yet you can see not. We can have seeing eyes that see not. They seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not. They have ears, but they hear not. They saw Jesus when He told them to die and be raised from the dead on the third day, but they didn't see it. They heard those words fall from His lips, but they didn't hear it. No matter how many times He said it, and they saw Him standing there, and they heard the words fall from His lips, they still didn't see it, and didn't understand it. It didn't penetrate the heart. Let's read on. And hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Neither do they understand. Make note of this. The eye and the ear gates are the windows to the soul. The eyes and the ear gates are the windows to the soul. You know, one of our most sincere prayers should be before the Lord God, even before we, pray, before we come to church and hear the Word of God. I pray that my eyes are open. I pray that my ears are attentive. I'm not talking about my physical eye. I'm talking about my spiritual eye. 
that my ears, my spiritual ears. And when we talk about the heart, we're not talking about this physical organ that pumps the blood that my spirit may understand. That I may have perception within of these great truths. That they would become a vital part of my life. That's what true heart faith is all about. It's not just gaining the intellectual knowledge of the Word of God. It's deeper than that. It is that which penetrates the heart and becomes a vital part of the innermost being. Okay, let's read on. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, or Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Well, we could stop right there, couldn't we? I don't want my eyes closed. I don't want my ears dull. I don't want my heart waxed gross. You realize revelation depends on us more than anything else? It depends on us maintaining a humble, teachable spirit. Truths from the Word of God are spiritually perceived and not intellectually learned. To operate in faith, great faith, one must have perception in his spirit of the things of God. We must not just be able to quote the Word of God. We must take that Word, we must understand it and perceive it within the heart and have it become a vital part of our being in order for us to be successful. That's where true faith comes. In the heart, not the head. We can know what he said from Genesis to Revelation and still not have reality in it. Because faith is of the heart. Lest at any time, look at the middle of the verse, they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart. See with their eyes. He's talking about Seeing with the eye of the Spirit. Hear with our spiritual ears. And understand with our spiritual heart. Faith involves seeing with my spiritual eyes, hearing with my spiritual ears, and understanding with my spiritual heart. Well, I need to say that one more time. Faith involves seeing with our spiritual eyes. Not these natural eyes, our spiritual eyes. Not with the eyes of reason, but with spiritual eyes, with the eye of the Spirit. Hearing with the ears of the Spirit, our spiritual ears, and understanding with the spiritual heart. Faith will then come. And that's why every child of God should pray that the eyes of my understanding are enlightened. You know, Paul prayed that for the church in the book of Ephesus. I'm, I'm sorry, the book of Ephesians, the people at Ephesus. In chapter 1, he prayed that the spiritual eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. It's so important that our spiritual eyes begin to see 
And our spiritual ears begin to hear. Now, here's what happened. Jesus said those things about His resurrection, and they heard what He said, but they didn't hear Him. Do you understand that language? They heard what He said, but they didn't hear. Do you ever sit in conversation with somebody and they told you something and, and you heard what they said, but when they wanted you to answer the question, you didn't know what they really said? Has your wife ever told you to go to the store and pick up five things and you heard what she said, but by the time you got there, you didn't know one thing she said? Because you were half hearing? Are you still awake? How many of you ever been there, half hearing? And you really thought you were listening, but you weren't? You know, there's an art to listening. There is an art to listening. There is an art to hearing. And you can hear, but not really hear. And you can see and not really see. That's what happened to them. They heard. It was only when they saw Him and their senses were satisfied that they opened their heart. And beloved, today we have the Holy Spirit to open our hearts, to open our understanding, to open our spiritual eyes and to open our spiritual ears. But you know what? If you don't come and if I don't come before the presence of God, inviting the Holy Spirit to do so, He won't do it. You know why? He does not push revelation on anyone. He does not twist your arm and say, can I open your eyes spiritually and then twist it a little bit more waiting for an answer from us. He won't do that. As a matter of fact, if you come to church and you're here just out of obligation and you're really not concerned about any teaching that's going on, you can hear, but you won't hear. That's the truth. It's only when you say from your heart, Lord, teach me. Show me faith. Give me understanding. Spirit of God, enlighten my spiritual mind. That's, that's when it happens. Make me to see and I shall see indeed. It goes on to say in the latter part of the verse, and should be converted. Here is where the new birth comes in. When one sees with the spiritual eye, hears with the spiritual ear, understands with the spiritual heart, then what happens? Then they'll be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now notice this. Hear ye. Look at the next verse. Verse 18. Hear ye the parable of the sower. My goodness, look how important this parable is. If the Master Himself said, Hear ye. See, blessed are your eyes, blessed are your ears. For the great prophets of old have desired to see and hear what you see and hear. So hear. Listen. I'm about to reveal to you how to obtain great faith. How to condition and train your spirit so that it can be the perfect environment and habitation for the Word of God. Wow. Praise God. Step number one, obviously, has already been revealed to us. If we want to have great faith, we have to be 
humble and teachable before God. And we have to recognize that there is one enemy revealed right there in those verses that we just read to great faith. And you know what that enemy is? Our own reasoning faculties. Human reasoning and sense knowledge evidence will challenge faith every step of the way. That's the truth. And every single one of us is exposed to it. Every single one of us is challenged by it. And every single one of us is going to have to wean ourselves from being under the control and dictates of sense knowledge and human reasoning. Every single one of us. That's our responsibility. We so trust in what we see. And a perfect example or illustration is like when the apostles were in the boat and Jesus said, come, and only Peter jumped out of the boat and he walked on the water. Do you know what human reasoning tells you about whether or not man can walk on water? Do you know what sense evidence tells you about whether or not a human body can walk on water? It doesn't agree to it, does it? It doesn't support it, does it, that theory? No. But you know there's something that's superior to understanding human reasoning and evidences? It's called faith in the living God. And that comes out of your spirit, not out of your brain or mind. Matter of fact, when the body is laid to rest, I think the brain stays in it, don't you? You know it does. But it's so hard for us to relate to that, isn't it? Okay, that's number one. That one thing right there is a tremendous truth. We all have to be weaned from our own understanding, weaned from our human reasonings, and learn, just like a child weaned from its mother, how to begin to develop trust in God from the heart and not believing in our own senses and natural abilities and human reasonings. Okay, let's read on. Verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, notice this, it's important to understand how the word of God works in the heart of man to produce faith. Okay. But when someone first hears it and doesn't have the depth of understanding that is necessary, then cometh the wicked one. Here is the next thing in Revelation that we need to understand. Trying to develop faith in the heart. Your first enemy is going to be human reasoning and natural wisdom and understanding, right? Your second enemy to the conditioning and development of your spirit in faith is the devil himself. Jesus said it right here. And remember what he said? Hear ye the parable of the sower. Hear ye. So let's listen, everybody. The enemy, the devil, does not want us to develop faith. Does not want our spirit to be developed in faith. Doesn't want us operating in faith in the Word of God. 
So immediately he comes, the wicked one comes to catch away that which was sown in the heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and Adam with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath, hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, by and by he is offended. Not only do we have the devil to contend with, you notice this latter part of Revelation shows us that we have to deal with the world and all of its persecution and, and also circumstances. The thinking of the world does not agree with the Word of God. And it's sad to say, but the majority of the church, likewise, agrees with the thinking of the world and not with the Word of God. Next verse. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the Word and the cares of this world... The deceitfulness of riches choke the word, it becomes unfruitful. Now, why is it that man is so shallow? Because the devil is against him. His own understanding and human reasoning is against it. And the world doesn't live by the standards of the Word of God. I guess those are three good reasons why Jesus even said that when a man receives the Word of God, it's the least of all things that he is proficient in. Isn't it? That's pretty good reasoning right there, isn't it? Because we've been exposed to so much. Our spirit man has been exposed to so much that in order for it to be developed in faith, it requires tenacity of faith on our part. Diligence, Desire, determination, and a whole lot of effort on our part. If I'm through that, then my spirit man is going to suffer. And heart, faith of the heart is not going to be developed. Latter part of the latter verse, last verse of the parable, verse 23. But he that, re- that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth. Oh, I hear it now. I I see what you're saying. I see it, Lord. I'm beginning to understand it, Lord. My heart is beginning to receive. I see what you're saying. He is the one that hears the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So in other words... It involves this understanding. It's going to take work on my part to provide an environment for the Word of God in my spirit. I'm going to have to deal with the world, the devil, and the flesh. The world, the devil, and the flesh. The world's going in another direction and not living by the standards of the Word. The devil certainly doesn't want to promote the, the Word of God in our hearts. And my flesh involves my physical and emotional makeup, which means human reasoning, physical evidences, are also going to challenge the development of my faith. Can you see that? Therefore, 
It takes my humble, teachable attitude before God and my saying to Him, I want the revelation that I need. I want that development in my life and I am not going to give up. I am not going to quit. I'm not going to fall short of my goal no matter what the devil says, no matter what the world says, and no matter what my flesh says. It's going to take that on all of our parts, every single one of us. Amen. So faith involves seeing with the spiritual eye, hearing with the spiritual ear, understanding with the spiritual heart so that we can promote the Word of God not just out of our reasoning, but out of our spiritual being. Now, I want to show you another verse that perfectly connects with what Jesus said right here. It's back in the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, beginning at verse 20. My son, attend to my words. God's words must be attended to. God's words cannot be taken lightly. God's words can't be stumbled over. God's words must be held in high, or should I say highest esteem. And we should consider the Word of God above all of our other needs. My son, attend to my word. In other words, give the word its proper place in your life. First place. Always consult the word of God for all of our needs. That's how God wants us to treat his word. Whenever we need direction, whenever we need understanding... Whenever we need anything in our lives, He wants us to maintain a mindset or an attitude that says, what does the Word of God have to say on this subject or about my situation? Attend to my Word. Find out what God said. Okay, that's the primary thing. My son, attend to my Word. Now, here He tells you how. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We can say tonight, one thing we just heard Jesus say from the Word of God is what? You're going to be challenged by the devil, the world, and the flesh. And all three are not in agreement with my Word. So you've learned how to believe in your senses. And to a degree, we've learned how to flow with the beliefs of the world. And this is a sad thing to say, but for the most part, many even in the kingdom of God have learned to believe the lies of the devil. Boy, sometimes you might want to say, ouch. But you know, many are preaching from pulpits throughout America today things that are nothing but lies of the devil. Things that are said from pulpits that fill people's hearts with guilt and condemnation. Do you know why 
The devil wants you filled with guilt and condemnation because condemnation paralyzes faith. And if he can influence a preacher to go before the pulpit and say, you realize how God is looking at you today? You know how he wants to judge you and your every move? He's so displeased with you. How many times have you been to church this week? How many times have you read your Bible? Did you pray? Did you pray long enough, hard enough? There was a time when I attended church. I went in happy. I went out sad. I went on fire. I left with a bucket of water over my fire. And I couldn't understand it for the longest time. Then I realized it slowly but very subtly. I was being put down and humiliated right from the pulpit. And the only thing that was being brought out was my faults and failures. You know, some people thrive on that, thinking that if I can condemn them long enough, they're going to come to church because they need me. I don't know what for. But there's enough guilt and condemnation in the world. You don't have to come to church and hear any, as far as I'm concerned. You say, but what about preaching against sin? Don't do it. As a matter of fact, when you sin, you've got enough guilt on you already. I'd rather preach the, the, the solution to your sin. Have you sinned? Jesus loves you. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all unrighteousness and all sin. And all you've got to do is come and say, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me for what I've done. And now you're the righteousness of God in Christ, holy and without spot before the presence of God. That's what people need to hear. Because many are being paralyzed in their faith life because of guilt and condemnation that's coming forth from pulpits everywhere. It's time to know who we are in Christ. Hear the right thing. If you hear the wrong thing, it'll paralyze your faith. So my son, attend to my words by inclining your ear unto my saints. What did God say about you? Are you a worm in the dust? No. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. What did God say about you? You are my workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works that I have before ordained that you should walk in them. What does the Word of God say about you? You were a sinner saved by grace and now you're a king and a priest of the Most High God made more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. What does the Word of God say about you? Can you see that? That's what we need to hear. Attend to my sayings. He said, greater is He that's in you than he that is in the world. He said, I am your helper. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, what does the Word of God say? The Word of God does not say that you are still a sinner. It says you're a sinner saved by grace. And now that you're saved by grace, you're the, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. So listen to what God says. Okay, then he goes on, number two. Let them not, not depart from thine eyes. Ears, now eyes. It's imperative that we continue looking to the Word of God. Listening to the Word of God, hearing it, and seeing what God said. And that involves looking at it, yes, but it also involves meditating it and keeping it before our mind. And in our mind, keep the Word of God right there in front of your eyes, in the forefront of your mind. Keep looking at the Word of God. 
Look it up. Read it for yourself. Find out what it says. And go over and over and over and over again. Why? Because you're finding its way into your heart in doing so. Look at the next part. Keep them or protect them in the midst of thine heart. Why does God want the word in your heart? Because if you look at that parable of the sower and you'll look at the last verse of explanation in each gospel, you'll find out that Jesus said that the perfect heart or the perfect environment in which the Word of God produces results is this. He hears it and understands it. Matthew 13, 20. He hears it and he receives it. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. And then in Luke 8, 15, he says he hears the Word of God and he keeps it or protects it in his heart and produces fruit with patience. Out of his heart, the environment or the atmosphere of his spirit, the Word then will eventually produce results in a person's life. Notice it's a process. It involves development. It involves training. It involves conditioning of the spirit to the Word of God apart from the devil, the world, and the flesh. We've got to keep all that out. And that's why it says right here, keep it enshrined in the heart. Protect it in your spirit. See, if we keep it in spirit, then we keep out understanding of the flesh, the world, and the devil. And the word in the heart will produce faith and results. Look at verse 22. For they, my words, that is, are life unto those that find them and health unto all their flesh. They are life unto those that find them and health or medicine or a healing agent unto all their flesh. Now, he doesn't stop there. He begins to reveal right here how effective the Word of God is in the life of anyone who will attend to it, hear it, see it, and enshrine it in the heart. They'll become life, God's life, to those that find it. Help, God's abiding strength unto all their flesh. And he doesn't stop there. He gives more information. Keep, verse 23, thy heart with all diligence. Notice, protect. The word keep there means protect your heart your heart with all diligence. Oh, how do we do that? Well, let's read it all and then we'll share a little bit. Keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. That word should, that verse right there should be important to all of us. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Diligently protect your heart. If you ever had a baby and that baby belongs to you, you're going to protect that baby the best way you know how. Isn't that true? Protect your child diligently. You're not going to let anything take away from that child's life or anyone, right? The same thing is true here. This is something that's, that's, that's greater than any rich, riches or gold or silver or anything else we can find in life. Protect your heart with all diligence. Diligently protect your heart. I don't know how, I don't know how to do that. Well, he tells you right here. Probably three things he says. 
Put away from you, verse 24, thee of froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. In other words, we protect the heart by speaking right. The things we say will either protect the heart or pull down what is necessary to keep it protected. Pull down our walls of defense. Protect your heart by saying the right thing. Let thine eyes look right on and thine eyelids look straight before thee. What we say, what we see, seeing right. What are we looking at? Are we looking right on the Word of God? Are we looking at all these other distractions? Remember when Peter was walking on the water and he saw the waves, he saw the wind boisterous in the waves, he got his eyes off of the Word come that Jesus spoke to him, and when he got his eyes on other things, he began to what? Sink. He began to sink because his eyes got off the right and on the wrong. So keep our eyes looking at the Word of God. And also, thirdly, Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. In other words, walk right before God. And walking right before God involves walking in love. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself and loving your enemies. So we've got to speak right. We've got to see right. And that's talking about perception. And also, we've got to walk right in order to protect our heart with diligence. And listen carefully, and we'll close it right here. People don't realize this. Things like unforgiveness, bitterness, judgmental spirit, critical spirit, all destroy the forces of faith within. They paralyze faith. And the enemy wants to cause things happen in people's lives so that they could be in unforgiveness and bitterness and have a critical spirit. You know, a critical spirit and faith just don't mix. Unforgiveness and faith just don't mix. Bitterness and faith doesn't mix. None of those things mix. Fear and doubt can't be found where faith is and vice versa. So you see, it's the enemy's job to target our spiritual condition and tear it down or paralyze it by these forces. So protect your heart with all diligence because out of it come the forces of life or the issues of life. Don't allow yourself to be caught up in what? Unforgiveness, bitterness, guilt, condemnation, worry, anxiety, fear, discouragement. All these things paralyze faith. And the way you protect your heart from that is by what he said, attending to his word, Inclining your ears to what he says. Don't listen to what anybody else says. Listen to what God says. Keep your eyes on what the word of God says. And protect it or enshrine it in your heart. And you'll have faith. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but I got blessed. <laughs> Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. 
I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.